You're listening to the Fox and the Phoenix podcast. Understanding the feminine cross-dressing experience. I'm Savannah Hawk, cross-dresser and author of the Living with Cross-Dressing book series. And I'm Julie Rubenstein, proud ally and co-founder of foxandhanger.com, a feminine styling and life coaching service for cross-dressers and transgender women. Hey, Julie. Hi, Savannah. How are you today? Oh, I am amazed. Nice. I'm just the ing part. I'm, you're the amaze. I'm the ing. How about that? Oh, my God. You always put yourself in the ing position. And it's like, <laughs> really? Really? Just, are you, though? Just saying. Hey, I'm here sitting at the dining room table with Lego surrounding me and empty buckets and things to do. And I really need to get my office set up. Um, I have a little office off the kitchen that's like completely filled with boxes and things we've never unpacked and more Legos. So, but like, what's the issue? Like, what's the slowdown? The fact uh, that you oh. have so many people <laughs> wanting uh, you to do things. Well, you know what? Well, one of the things is that we have stuff in there, and that would be easy enough to get rid of or get out of that room um, and kind of like put somewhere else. But I need a desk and a chair. Mm. And um, we keep meaning to go to like, uh, it's a place called Dumpster. Uh, mm, it's like, it's like, it. yeah, and it basically has like secondhand or over stock or whatever. So we need to get a desk and a chair for me so I can sit up in that office off the kitchen so that, you know, we can be completely set up that way and I don't have to keep doing it at a dining room table. So basically it's like I need a she shed, but inside the house. Mm. So I don't know if you have that or if you need that. I mean, I need a she shed out of the house, still on the property, and just like bedazzle it with mm. everything I've ever wanted and like maybe a couple succulents. Nice. Well what so it just needs to be like a, a sun like a sun house. I mean like, right now I'm in my bedroom and my husband and daughter are watching TV, but how long is that gonna last <laughs> before they start like WW style wrestling like stop messing with me and I'm like kids you know what I mean like I'm it's not here. ideal yeah and poor, and poor Judy is upstairs uh so oh. her her and the dog are upstairs so they don't get heard on air as we're trying to podcast too so yeah totally totally get it we need our own spaces that is uh insulated you know so that but before I forget because I'm gonna like be thinking about this until yeah. I ask you okay like that special place called the dumpster yeah do you just like get the stuff for free latch it on your back and then like <laughs> old style mule try to make it home or do you pay for it is it uh, register you, you, yeah you have to pay for it i mean mm-hmm. it, it, i think it's just the name of the store is called the dumpster and can you <laughs> and judy take me there when i come and visit hell yeah we can i'm not sure how you're gonna get whatever furniture uh on your back to take back on the plane but we'll figure it out see after i asked that i had a moment of grief where i'm like i don't think it's possible because how would i get a (laughs) she shed on my back and to northern california so now i got really sad so don't ever take me there okay i'm sorry i never will the tease tease (laughs) (laughs) we'll get you a shed somehow we'll, we'll get you there I mean, Thank you. No Thanks, problem. Daddy. You'll get me a shed. I'll Yay! Get you a shed. <laughs> <laughs> but definitely, yeah. It's it's funny we're doing this in like impromptu and and just kind of piece together. But hey, I'm happy to be doing it. No matter what. Doing where I'm it sitting. and doing and doing it right. Okay, so <laughs> as for today's topic. Oh yeah, I got I got some good. I got some good. Share. Well, you know me, I, I never have a good topic unless I'm interacting with somebody. And that's uh, kind of like my methodology. And I don't Your know opinion. Why. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I was interacting with someone who was reading my first book, uh, which is Living with Crossdressing, Defining a New Normal. And it's specifically mm. about the type of crossdresser you can be and, and more about relationship, you know, navigate that. But also in the start of the book, it has both like the type of crossdresser you can be as well as my story. So uh, I just want to read a little bit of what um, this lovely lady, Sky, shout out to Sky, uh, she had mentioned. Sky, you said? Yes, I love that I name. I love that name. Yeah. So she says, hey, Savannah, your books arrived, and I'm loving the first one. 
So far, your early life story and feelings mirror mine so much. It's crazy. It really is making me think hard about where I fall in the groups, like the groups of crossdressers. And then she goes on to say, one of the biggest things for me is it made me realize it's not some sexual perversion. How could a five-year-old be dressing in it for it to be that? Mm. Which, uh, a couple things. I mean, I was kind of amazed. I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, to me, it seems so obvious. Like, of course, you're five years old. Why would there be a sexual component to wanting to dress up as a girl when you're a little boy? And then the second thing was I was still astonished that that somebody, even in you know 2020, wouldn't be able, wouldn't make that connection right away. Like right. still think that it's like, oh my God, I started at five and now I know it's a sexual perversion because they, I guess, grew up this entire time believing that that must be the case. Right. And that's the information out there. That's the stigma that you and I are trying to break down, but it still very much exists. Yeah. And it's, it, it was a heart. I loved, I loved talking to her. Um, we're actually continuing our conversation as she goes. And she finds mm-hmm. other things that mirror her own story, uh, which I think helps let her know that she's not alone and that like right. what's going on with her is not unusual. I wanted to talk about the idea that adults and ourselves have put onto the, the premise that if you're dressing up as a girl, as a young boy, that there, there is something wrong with it, that there's something, as Sky said, something perverse, something right. fetishy. And um, I'm here to say that the reason why Sky mentioned this is the same way I said in the book. I was like, I was five, six years old, attracted to my mother's bras and slips and mm-hmm. those shiny articles of clothing. Right. And to me, as a child that age, it wasn't like, oh my God, I'm going to look so hot and sexy in this. Right. Your mind's not, unless you were molested at a certain point within that window, you shouldn't be thinking or talking that way. No, not at all. Why would we ever have any exposure? I know that, I do know that as we go on in life, that that sexual central component has gotten to be earlier and earlier in childhood. But in 1976, let's say, 76, 77, when this happened to me, I wasn't sitting there watching primetime television or Saturday morning cartoons being like, oh my God, this is, this is going to be so hot. No, I'm sorry. The only reference I ever had at that age was possibly Bugs Bunny because Bugs Bunny did like to cross-dress once in a while depending on what the episode was. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's like at that young age, you don't know what sexy is. Right. What that means. You know what feels good, really Mm -hmm. good. Mm -hmm. And what feels really good is if the the material felt good on your body or against your genitals and that felt really good. But I wouldn't call that knowing what sexual sexuality means and feeling sexy means you just know that it feels good and so why wouldn't you want to feel it against down there but even that even speaking to that particular area right that you're too young to really understand you just know what feels good and what's what you like right yeah and for me i know that like how would i know how it would feel prior to the first time i did it so only thing i had to go by was knowing I had seen the clothing, seen my mom fold the clothes after laundry, seeing that it like that laciness and the the shimmeriness was attractive to me. That's something that right. drew my attention in. Whereas plaid and coarse wool and just cotton didn't do it. You know, there was nothing there that I was like, ooh, I need to wear this sweater. <laughs> I need right. to go I need to go into my mom's drawer and find that sweater because oh I'm so attracted to it. Why did I want to put on her heels? Why did I want to like put that slip on or put that, you know, that that, uh, girdle on? Like there was no reason. I would never have known prior to doing it that there was like even the touch part of it other Mm -hmm. than like, oh my God, I love how it looks. And then you put it on completely oversized. You know, the shoes are way too big for you. The underwear and the slip is way too big for you. But all then you're feeling like the material in your hands. Right. Then it's not like the material in your hands 
in your privates. It's just the feeling through your fingers. Right. And that has that attraction. And it's just that sensory exploration in general, mm-hmm. right? Making your own discoveries in general. And then there's a lot at that age about where it moves from like the, the place of being so self and egocentric to where you fit in the world and, and role playing kind of what you, what you see. So when you were trying on all these items, could there have been a moment where you were pretending to be mom? I don't know. You know what I mean? If you didn't have another person to play another role, Mm. maybe not, but there's so much more to it than a kink or a a fetish. And that's what we're, we're speaking to. Right. right? That there's exactly so right. much more to it that how could it be that? Because your brain has not been kind of wired for that at yeah, that young age. Right. Yeah. It wasn't mature enough for sexuality. It wasn't in um, puberty. And like I said before, unless something happened to kind of mess up that natural learning curve in terms of sexual development, unless something happened where you were whatever it was, you know, you were taught about what sexy means and what sexy is at a very young age, you know, prematurely. Right. I believe I'm not a psychologist, but I, I believe that it's not possible. I don't think it is. I don't think it is. You would have to have um, some serious external stimulus in uh, visuals to like define you that way. I agree. And, And in my case, there's no trauma. I've I've thought about this a lot because trauma comes up a lot in terms of like why people do what they do, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, why are, why are some people abhorrent to certain things or drawn to something outside the norm because of trauma? I get it. I know that's a real thing for me. I'm like, but why was it me? I'm always trying to figure out my, my root cause. Mm -hmm. And for me, I'm like, well, maybe, maybe there was trauma. Um, I think about it, I think about it, I'm like, no, my, my childhood was nondescript. What's the worst thing I could say is that I spent more time with my sister and my mom because my dad was working. Oh my God, there was no father figure because he was working 10 hours a day. Therefore, I, I became more feminine. No, there was, right. there was nobody in my family that was so overtly feminine or they weren't dressing me up in their clothes because they thought it'd be cute and funny. And then like, I felt validated because of that. No, none of that happened to me. It was purely like a very solitary exploration. It was like just something I felt drawn to. So again, there was no, like you said, there's no sexual component. And so a lot of people I think need to understand that sexuality as adults looking at kids, we attribute sexuality to certain types of things. For instance, if little Johnny is five years old and he's dancing around in like the, his sister's uh, princess dress or high heels or has like this shiny little sparkly stroby wand, we're like, oh, God, I hope he doesn't turn gay. Mm-hmm. It's like, why? Because yeah. we're adults and we just assume that's what children are thinking because they think like we do? No. Yeah. And so as a child, the converse is true. We are not sitting there thinking like adults. We are thinking like children more innocently, doing something that feels free to us, that feels natural to us, because that's right. what we we know. So like I said, unless it was something that forced that feeling onto us, as a child, I had nothing in my brain saying, I am doing this because I've been programmed to do this by somebody else. And it's really interesting. Um, so I have a background in early childhood education. And um, for two years now, I, I was working in the twos classroom. And at that age, you're not really, I mean, children aren't really shaming each other for putting, unless they have older siblings, mm. right? And and they're taught, you know, oh, that's not what boys wear, right? But you don't really see that so much. So I remember a particular incident in my class where we have the dress up and we have this, you know, this boy in my class who I guess stereotypically one might say is a boy's boy, whatever that means. <laughs> I hate that term. I just threw up a little bit in my mouth because, oh, you know, that that term does not really ring true to me. Right. But it is, you know, someone who's drawn to all the stereotypical kind of boy things. And I remember this moment where he got out a pair of hot pink heels and he put these heels on and he strutted like he realized that like 
he was more fulfilled walking on the, the linoleum tiles than he was on the rug because mm. part of the enjoyment for him was hearing that kind of click, click, you know, mm. the, the sound feedback. Right. But my co-teacher and I just observed this, you know, two and a half year old just strutting his stuff <laughs> in these hot pink heels. And then I observed this other friend of his kind of stare at the, this child in the heels pure sheer joy and enjoyment and walks over to the the basket and grabs a pair of purple heels and the two of them were just so happy and so satisfied and this went on for about 15 minutes of them just kind of walking back and forth in the heels (laughs) just experimenting you know spatially and the the height difference and the sound and then (laughs) the following day they they ran right over to the heels and kind of did did the same thing. And, you know, both of them have parents that wouldn't be shaming or trying to be like, my, my son will not. But flashback like seven years ago in that same classroom, you know, there was a child that was drawn to princess dresses and the father did have a problem with mm. it and was very much. Ma- my son will not wear dresses. He's not a gay boy. It was so heartbreaking to hear. It felt so dated even five years ago to even go there with a child because they don't know. They're just experimenting. It's right, not right. It's not even a sign. It's just normal. Right. And perf- perfectly said because, yes, in my case, it became Savannah. But right. in how many kids have, if you give them that space to explore and feel and enjoy and find the, you know, kind of the joy in, in each of these things. It doesn't, it's just, like you said, it's healthy development. Doesn't mean that they're going to become trans or gay right. or anything. And like, and that shouldn't matter either. The whole point right. is like, whether it leads to something who I am or in a different gender identity or a different sexual identity, that's the least of your concern. The concern should be for a happy and healthy child whose mental state is very, very positive and very, very open. And their, their kind of self-education is kind of unfettered. And that's right. what it should be. And like I said, you as a teacher, you see that. And like, like you said, you get very, very disappointed and sad that like the parent is not open to that child's exploration because they have such fear and prejudice about what they assume that's going to lead to. Right. And we don't have... I don't think we can say one way or the other, right? I don't think we can say that the the environment and the influences and the occurrences that happen in your in your life don't affect your gender, how you view your gender or your I don't know. I don't know about sexuality, but I do know that it's not so baby you were born this way. I mean, I, I want to, I want to believe that. Right. But if you let's, I'm giving you an example. Let's say there's a mom that desperately wanted a girl mm-hmm. desperately. Then when she had a son, she was so either mentally unstable. When you first have a baby, sometimes your mental, you're not so stable. You're very emotional. You want to kill yourself. All these emotions happen mm-hmm. when you give birth. Um, what what would happen if they decide I have a little girl and they dress their son in all the gender appropriate girl stuff. Mm-hmm. They call that baby a girl. They treat it as a girl for at least five years of their life. And then they have a girl in actuality, a second sibling comes along that happens to be a girl. And then they drop that right. and they decide, okay, you're a boy now. Yeah. Cause now I have my real girl that's going to mess with you. That's going to plant some seeds. That's going to create some confusion. Mm. That's going to create some doubt within you in terms of your own gender identity. It has to. How can it not? How can it not? Well, you've actually done the perfect example opposite of what actually happens in real life. We have gender reveal parties. Oh, I'm having a boy. I'm having a girl. It's pink. It's blue. We predefine so much to all our children, past and present. And it's getting better. It's getting easier. People are understanding there's more to it than like the stereotypes. But I was raised to be a boy. I was treated Mm -hmm. as a boy. Now, did that make me less of of a 
high gender, dual gender person? No, but it caused other problems of like not coming out, not being comfortable with it, not understanding like why I am who I am. But boys are treated as boys. Now, if girls want to act like boys, well, that's okay because, you know, the patriarchy. Tomboy. Tomboy, that's okay because that just makes them more like a boy who doesn't want to be male, you know, in our patriarchy Mm -hmm. thinking. Right. Um, but it happens every day and has happened that way for years and years and decades and decades where little boys are treated to be as such and you have to be manly and you stop crying, walk it off. All those things that boys are supposed to do, which have caused us to be so repressed in our emotional states, in showing emotion, being sensitive, because no, 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 you have to be is macho and masculine and uber aggressive as we've defined you to be so your example of that little boy who was grew up thinking he was a girl and thinking he was feminine and thinking that he was validated in a very female-centric way and then being like wait what just happened now i'm not oh my god what's his masculinity i don't know what to do with any of this the same thing happens every day in normal everyday life where all the boys are treated like boys and have to act a certain way and girls have to act a certain way and how does that not mess us up? All humans don't have this direct path to get to where they want to go. Sometimes there's, sometimes science gets in the way or some, sometimes uh, an event gets in the way. Or what if Savannah, what if no one said, this is what a boy should do and you just were free to just, you know, find your gender. Like you'd find a four leaf clover or you'd find or you choose the pink door or the blue door without anyone saying anything. Yeah. Would you be so confused and stand between those doors and be like, where's the door with the pink and the blue? I want that door. Who knows? Like it just rocks my brain because whenever I get too confident in what I know for sure, or whenever I get too committed to how things are, there's someone or something, or a soundbite, or a magazine, or a story that enters my brain, and I'm just like, okay, okay, and I love to be humbled. I love it. I, I don't know. I get off on that. I love, in a sexual way, no, I love being humbled because I am so sure of once I get to the bottom, I'm an investigator, and I'm a I connect with people on a heart level and their story is their truth. And then when I, when I string enough of those kind of truth beads to make a necklace, I'm like, yay, I figured it out. Then there's another story. You can't live like yes. that. You can't figure it out. There's no one size fits all in no, this. Not right. All. I mean, not at all. I mean, if that were the case, I wouldn't have, followed up my first book with a second book. I wouldn't be, you know, thinking about writing a third book. Every time you open your, this is so funny. Every time you open yourself up to your truth. And I had to do that. When I wrote the first book, I had to open myself up to my truth. And what I understood, because I I had to put it onto the page. I I couldn't just like fix it. It's out there. It's out there. Right. And it was my truth. And then I'm like, oh, wait. You know, that doesn't say everything that I've learned between that publication and where I am this second. And I had to write something else and it grew and I expanded and I evolved in my thinking. And then I was like, well, now, right this second, I'm at, well, what is cross-dressing? I kept saying that I am a cross-dresser and that's who I am. That's not who I am. I am now, the way I portray it is I am a dual gender individual with a need for a feminine expression. And I just happen to do that through cross-dressing because I don't look for a permanence to a change. So had I thought that five years ago? No. So you're talking about that truth beat. It's like my truth beat always, I look at it and it tends to just fall off my neck because the latch yeah. broke because there's something new and I need to update yeah. it and I need to like figure new stuff out. And it's, I, I caution people to get too comfortable in what they think is true. Right. You always should be looking at new information, doubting the information you're seeing, find mm-hmm. the converse conversation of that, that discussion. Look at all sides. Look at other people. Look at what they're saying to you. Like you said, look at these stories that constantly reinvent your thinking because that is the only way to get closer and closer and closer to that, the absolute. I agree. And it's, 
it's interesting um, listening to you speak. It's I found that with cross-dressing, when I first started working with cross-dressing and getting to know certain people, the main people I did work with were this kind of kinky fetish, just in terms of the lookbooks, right? Mm, yeah. Um, but when I was introduced to, you know, the transgender cross-dressing community, it actually was, I, I went to a group for cross-dressers that started out a group for cross-dressers. And so that was my original kind of platform that challenged the idea that it wasn't, that it was more comp complex. And so when I went on the Free to Be She uh, movie watch party at the, around that, and we met around that moment, I had, I had kept on saying to myself, there's more to cross-dressing. It feels like I'm not getting it all. Mm. It really feels like I'm not getting it all. And I just kind of this like mind cloud. And then the two of us met and it was almost like, I, I was like, okay, this is, this is my person that I can find out anything and everything and ask anything and everything around cross-dressing. And I would, you know, find the answers. And what I found is not only a beautiful relationship with you and this amazing podcast that is an incredible resource and a great platform for others, but I found comfort in the questions and I found comfort in the idea of understanding and that understanding isn't really this, there's no real ending point, right? There's not really a bookend to it there's it continues and then you find out someone's truth and then it continues and it's this evolving kind of entity so i just i'm incredibly humbled i'm incredibly thankful that you and i are on this journey of kind of uncovering and un revealing to the world all these different outlets and options it's really beautiful because I feel like if someone's set in their ways and always convinced of a certain idea or truth, well, then you'll gain a following that has that exact same following mm -hmm. answer truth. It will yeah. back you up every time. Yeah. That's why Instagram can be dangerous because your audience or your followers can be the people who think exactly like you. Right. Right. Yeah. And cross-dressing is so expansive. It could be a window into realizing your ultimate truth in terms of you being a transgender female. It can be, it can be so, it's, it's so much. There is no bookend. No. That it's just. And there's no model. There's no model. There's no mold. No saying that all cross-dressers are exactly alike. I said from the fetishistic clients that you may have had at the beginning of your career to the transitioning women that you had to the i'm happy to be a cross-dressing person male to female in the middle that's a gamut that's and that's not even bookends either you can't say that fetishistic is the lowest end and transitioning is the highest end all it is is a journey for any of us and i have I want everybody to know that like your own path is your own path. There's nothing right. that Julie and I are going to tell you that is going to be like, Oh my God, that's me to a T. Maybe it is, but I will also say kudos to those people who find enjoyment with their partner dressing up in sexy, you know, garters and bras and panties and stockings in the bedroom. And that's what you do. And that's what you love. And kudos to those women who, realize that cross-dressing was a way station to discovering their truth and their yeah. need to become the female they were meant to be. And kudos to those of us who just happen to love it once a week, once a month, when it's there's an opportunity to just engage in that femininity. I mean, if it wasn't for you, Joy, if it wasn't for me? you, if it was, yes, you, if for it me? wasn't, no. yeah, what, huh? If it wasn't for you, I never would have thought about Savannah as a declarative entity that was purely based on a feminine spirit that I possess. Wow. And that's, that's a big statement. It is, it's, it's something I hadn't thought about. It's, it mm -hmm. got me close or it's getting me closer to a different type of truth. 
the whys. Like I'm in that point of my life where I'm thinking about the whys. Why do I do it? Why is it important? Not that the cross-dressing, the cross-dressing is kind of like the static thing now. It's like, oh, I do this. I'm, I cross-dress. But right. now I'm at the point where I'm like, but why do I cross-dress? Why is it important? Why does it fulfill me? Why does it make me feel complete and calm and happy? Even though I don't need to do it every day, head to toe, but I need to do it. So you had mm-hmm. mentioned the feminine spirit. And then it got me yeah. thinking in a very abstract way and you know, ethereal way of like, you know, what's to say that the human entity that each of us is, is not a combination of feminine and masculine energy and spirit that it may be just in different proportions mm. for each of us. And maybe typically, you know, women have more of a feminine spirit and less of a masculine spirit and vice versa. Maybe that's the typical norm. But for many of us, you know, the, the tomboy girls are maybe 50-50. And for me, maybe it's 60-40. And, you know, and I start thinking about these abstracts of like, well, you know, maybe that's something to explore. Maybe right. that's see some of the answer. And that's so fascinating. We, it really is. And I think, I mean, uh, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Well, I was going to say, because uh, you do uh, card pulls. You know, you'll pull like uh, tarot cards and yeah, have, they have fun. meanings. They have meanings to each of them. And if it's upside down, if it's right side up, you, you whisper to the universe for answers. Yeah. But that doesn't I mean, mean I wouldn't buy a house on it. I wouldn't <laughs> be like, should I go to work today? And then the spirit says rest and rejuvenation. I'll be like, I'm calling sign. It. <laughs> I'm not going in. It's just more of like the vibes yeah. of your subconscious, you know? No, and, and that's, yeah, I, I agree with you. <laughs> and with that, and with that kind of thought of like something I'm not really familiar with, and I really didn't put a lot of effort into that kind of spirituality, there is something to it that can be important to look into. Oh, yeah. Now, I could have poo-pooed it like, oh, you weirdo in your tarot cards. You that, California hippie. The point, <laughs> the point is that we have to be open to different perspectives and we have to be open to how other people see the world. And whether it's astrology or card reading or getting your chi aligned, there's so many things out there that we, we may think is silly, but I want to get all- my chi aligned and it's <laughs> not silly for no, me. I don't think it's silly for any of us. I, I think sleep people- with a rose quartz between my breasts on Do a you? good day. Hey. On a good day. Nice. Well, I had um, I got acupuncture once. How many people still believe that acupuncture is kind of a quack science? I don't know. That's the funny part where I'm just like, oh my God, are we like so like, is that so woo-woo? Is it? Some people still think it is. But yet when I had my car accident, you could have a chiropractor, you could have acupuncture, you could have like hot stones and electrodes Mm -hmm. and all sorts of different things to help you recover. So somebody had asked, did you want acupuncture? I'm like, man, all right, why not? You know, what could it hurt? I'm in pain. It can't, you know, what's the worst that could happen? It just doesn't work. So when the person was putting the needles in and I was asking, you know, I'm on my, uh, my stomach and I'm like, but why did you put that needle in my neck if the pain is in my lower back? And You're why so did- funny. You would have been asking this the entire time. It would be like, well, all right, I have some notes on the experience. I know I was supposed to be relaxing, but. <laughs> but I was just fascinated. We had said it before. It's a fascinating concept of and it's yeah. fascinating art or science or uh medicine like but why what why is putting the one needle here going to do something completely in a different spot of the body and right. you know the answer is like well when you put it here blood flow in different things and to me it's it was fascinating and i am not going to discard eastern medicine just because we grew up in a western culture right Sometimes the best medicines are those that are more natural and more simplistic and, you know, give those a go before you decide to pay the big pharmas for what they got going on. Anyway. And I have heard that if you pair Eastern and Western medicine, like if you take a little from both, yeah, that that's yeah. the best, but whoever said that, that's their truth, right? So that's what we're, hey. but if you're constipated, uh-huh. constipate on, I know, so sweet I am. <laughs> if you're constipated on the toilet, <laughs> there's like a pressure point on your foot that you can press to relieve constipation. Really? Oh, I have to yeah, look that up. that's what my fairy godmother told me. So That's interesting. See, that's one of those that's things where I'm like, 
uh, uh, no pun intended. I'm not going to poo-poo that idea, but it's, what? It's, did it have a fairy godmother, or that no, just a that, place that, on the your foot point, that you push? <laughs> that you push to poo-poo. Um, but that's something I've been, see. I'm at that point. I'm like, wow, I want to look more into that. I was like, I'm interested in learning more, and that's the way we all should be when it comes to our gender identity and our sexual identity. Is you need to learn more. You need to be open to understanding how it affects me? you. Will you tell me if you press on your phone? I'm not, we're not, we're keeping this in. Will you please text me or like, cause you know, you're on your phone, unless you're reading your book. That's Will true. you text me if you press on, if you press on the point and I'll yeah. like take a picture of where exactly it is. Okay. Please whatever. Do. Delete the footage. Just like memorize <laughs> it. Cause you know how I feel about feet. And when you press it, will you tell me just yeah. if I'll it let works. You know. Yeah. Let you know. Why not? As well as in the comment section below. If you try right. it and it works, we want to hear from you. <laughs> right, exactly. Let us know how successful you were. Um, but the same things happen with your card pulls, right? I mean, I asked you questions and you pulled a card completely. Um, you know, how would you know what I was thinking? And it was like, oh, wow, that's And you and relevant. I are very connected. Yeah. Right? So that just shows that how connected we are where I, I can't, I can pretend to do it for other people and I have tried. And then they're like, Julie, that's about you. I'm like, it totally is. <laughs> <You know? laughs> or that doesn't speak to me. I'm like, I never right. Let me try again. Right. But you two, is you and I are very connected. What? <laughs> it's like, is this your card? No, that doesn't speak to me either. Julie. <laughs> how about this one? You're terrible at magic, Julie. Yeah, I know. I am. Um, but no, I, I believe that because we kind of have this connection that yeah. you've been able to do it on my behalf. And I've been yeah. fascinated by it. And again, we are going off the rails and we're getting kind of metaphysical and getting. We're going off the rails on the. Wait, wait, what is that? Ozzy Osbourne? Yeah, on oh, a crazy on train. On this crazy train. I love it. All right, where love, were we? I do love We were that talking song. about the letter from Sky. Yes. Well, the letter from Sky, I think we've hit is that. Sky was like, wow, I can't believe I didn't realize that this was not, could not have been a sexualized experience at five years old. Right. And I know we, we kind of like took that and ran with it and said, I'm an adult now. Why? You know, but I think people become adults with this preconceived idea. Once they get to a point of understanding, like, oh, I'm a crossdresser, even though I did it when I was five, which was like seven years ago. Now I'm a teenager. I'm still doing it. Now there is a sexual component to it. And because you're in puberty and you have that uh, reward mentality of like, I'm dressing and I'm feeling so good and I'm you know having an erection and these things are happening to my body. And I find this is a very pleasurable thing. All of a sudden people take that innocence of dressing, add the sexual component to the dressing and then never leave the idea that it must be a fetish yes because it made the most impact or it it's in alignment with what society says it is and right. that is your truth right right and people somehow stick with that forever and like they mm. don't ever get past the like well i do know that when i was a teenager i did it a lot but then i was shamed i felt bad i felt mm. terrible and i stopped doing it but then i couldn't stay away from it so when i was in college when i was 22 i started doing it again and there still was a sexual component to it and here, you know what I'm saying? You hear the repetitive nature of, right. I was so ashamed by it because society deemed it bad that every time I went back to it, it was an obsessive thing. It was a right. sexual thing versus a calming thing and a reason to feel complete. And it was something that was the whole of who you were. We always take that, that those moments of obsessiveness and fetishism and then say, oh my God, that's all it was. For many right, of us. especially when your body makes a memory, especially when, let's say, you were able to, when you're able to ejaculate for the first time wearing, you know, X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Now, the next time you wear that item or the next time you wear a female, whatever it is, yeah. you're able to recreate that exact same kind of body memory. You're not going to go back to when you're five or six and be like, those were the innocent ears. You're going to associate, I mean, they were, but you're going to associate it with your body memory is going to yeah. always be kind of this heightened state that when yes. you put it on this article clothing that it's going to, but then I have a question for you. Like sure. when does it, after those really horny years, like <laughs> when 
if it's more than just a fetish for you, which mm. it has been, when does it leave that space where it's not all about sex? Like, Ooh, how did you, once you got super horny, you're like, this is great. I'm freaking out. I love it. How are you able? <laughs> how are you, I guess maybe, what, you get married, then you don't do it for a while, and then it resets. I have no idea your story, but how does it go from being a super horny thing to like, back to like feeling grounded and mm. part of you. You ask all the, you ask all the right questions. You really do. Oh, girl. I'm telling you, you, no, really? you do. No, you did. This is fantastic because it is the exact thing I'm talking about. Like you're talking about grounding. You're talking about being complete in all your energies for mm. however often you need to express those energies. And then those people, there are people out there who just love it to be in a bedroom and that's fine. And they may never go further. You're talking about people who are like, I gave it up. I got married. I led a normal cisgender life where I'm, I'm the man of the house. And, and right. I do all those things that are expected of me. And then they keep finding themselves secretly going back to the clothing and, and feeling that sexiness and feeling that right. like turn on. And what happens is when you leave it for so long, the need builds up. And it builds up mm. and it builds yeah. up and you search for that moment where you can recreate those moments from earlier. And it is that very sexualized experience because one you've, you, it's like you've truncated all that nervous energy into this hour or two that you might find somehow, some way business trip um, in a hotel when you're, or at home when your wife's at work or whatever it might be, you find right. it to be such an obsessive moment that it's all this, this buildup has to go somewhere in a very small period of time. So, right. when, so when you have these moments, it doesn't change. It doesn't change from what you did before. But if you're open and honest with yourself and you hopefully may be able to come out to your partner as something that you need to do, and it may still feel like a very sexualized experience, mm. but as you become more and more comfortable with who you are and your presentation, you're going to find, and again, not for everybody, but you'll find, I found that the more I do it, the less of a sexual component it is. And it became mm. more grounded as I realized, it's like, oh, yes, there's still a sensual component. I'm never going to say that the tactile nature of it, looking like a female, there's so many things that keeps it very centralized, but there's also so many components that when you're out in the world and you're sitting at Starbucks just typing away or got your earbuds in listening to music or editing a podcast, in, in my case, there are things that you realize like, oh, I'm just happy to be in the world. I'm mm. just happy to be out. This is not like, oh my God, I can't wait to go home to, you know, take care of myself. It's like you become grounded in that way. You realize that it's not just this obsessive, uh, kinetic moment that you need to have and then have this big release. But are you excited to get home and take care of yourself? No. Like, does that still exist? It could exist at times. I'm not saying it doesn't, but what I'm saying is like today, um, after our podcast recording, I will probably hang out and be Savannah for another hour and then just deconstruct. Because like be I, I was, Savannah, like, we don't have to get into that, but, but my... A question that popped up is, does it ever get so normalized for you that it's just, you're just sitting there as a human in the world. You're just sitting yeah. at Starbucks without that awareness of, I'm sitting here at Savannah, oh, like yeah. without that kind of- oh, Yeah, 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 absolutely. That it's so normalized yeah. that it just is you in the yeah, world. The, yes, it's just me in the world. The only thing I would say is a little bit different than being Chuck in the world, where Chuck doesn't think anything about himself as being- elevated or different it's just like mm. just I'm a just I'm just another passerby right I'm just right. another person sitting at Starbucks but with Savannah what I have still is I'm Savannah in the world right I'm just 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 plain old Savannah but people you know will and may react to me in a different way and you so want to be seen I want to be seen so there you is that be seen and that's very female that's very you know wanting to exist wanting to be seen not really ha wanting to be anonymous. Right. Like I feel like Chuck often is so like, just wants to be anonymous and is, mm -hmm. you know, 
business as usual or is, yeah, yeah. you know, just going through the motions and doing the things. And for you, going through the motions means decorating yourself and um, holding yourself in a feminine and soft way and answering people in a feminine, soft way. And sure, insecurities will come in that is also about your appearance and about your worth and about your whatever, yeah. whatever those doubts are, which is so profoundly feminine, I can't even tell you, which is so female and so deeply rooted in what females go through on a day-to-day basis um, that I can't even tell you. Like if I told you that that is like, the spark that keeps your femininity burning and then everything else is just it's not smoke and mirrors it's it's the opposite everything else is beautiful greenery and amazing bloomage <laughs> you know all the rest is this beautiful d- design this this feminine being of your creation mm. and it took years of learning and years of of education and observing i'm sure yeah about how you know females show up and and who is savannah for you yeah she's the girl next door she's approachable she's she's a safe and loving and a sweetheart of a person and she's very much loved and the people who know you as both i can't speak for fact about this but i would like to think that they just see savannah as an extension of chuck and vice versa and they would use the same adjectives. I mean, people used to call my father a, such a sweetheart. And these were like cis men and that look, looked up to him. And, and just using the word sweetheart, mm-hmm. I didn't hear that word to describe any man. Right. Any, any man ever. And often I think about if my dad would be like, not into cross-dressing, but if he would make a good cross-dresser because he had that. Because <laughs> he was such a sweetheart. He's such a sweetheart. There you go. Um, I don't know if like, it's funny because I don't know if um, people call me a sweetheart in both genders, you know, gender roles, gender presentations. But I do know, like you said, Chuck is fairly anonymous. But people like, let's, for example, I go to Starbucks and I'm like, Chuck, how are you? Here's your drink. I'll get the same reaction as Savannah from those same right. people, which is amazing. I love that. But I do tend to find that Savannah is a little more... Oh, what's the word I want to say? Um, like you said, put together a little more, not glamorous, but a little more... Thoughtful about our presentation. Yeah, yeah. And I think people like... I think because I'm living that truth and living, like showing up as Savannah, I think people give that some credit as well. I think people like honor that by, oh my God, Savannah's here today. Yay! Right. I think there's it's a little like bit of celebration. Yeah, celebrity. I think, I think there's celebration to it. Mm. And I think that... Um, it's the, the fact that I'm living truth is uh, in other people's views. I'd like to think as a celebration of who I am. And they, they, I think they honor that by acknowledging that in that way. And I think that's the difference for me. Yes. I would love Savannah to be just as anonymous as everybody else, but two things. One, I worry about my safety at times. I worry about how people may look at me still. That's mm, just, that's just course. one of those fears that I'm chipping away at day by day, every day I'm out. And then too, it's like, you know, Chuck doesn't get that kind of like over the top celebration when he shows up, but he still gets some like love, you know, in that way. So it makes me happy. And I always, I I heard a song, I was like, there she goes again. And she, you know, like, I don't know. I just feel like once I double dog dare you to go into Starbucks (laughs) or to go into the world, listening to this like amazing mix that I put together for you and just like feel all the feels because I know you already do. And fear is certainly one of them, which is always important as you and I talk about being cautious and being, you know, not being so Pollyanna that we're, you know, that there is, that there is nothing to fear because I am love and I exude love and I'm kind. Like that's (laughs) all very you know, sure, you do you, but also like know that there are people that are not kind, that yeah. do not exude love, especially people that are that are closeted. I'm sorry that they're closeted crossdressers that aren't getting their <laughs> needs met, that they're trans and not getting their needs met, and their one job is to like go out and hate you and to make you feel ashamed and yeah, oh, we're, and we're the definitely. religious people. I mean, there's there's so many, yeah, but 
you being able to combat that with such a sense of self is the ultimate revenge and it's the ultimate protector and also carrying mace around is also good. I probably should do that last one then. I'm not doing that. <laughs> I did get a new selfie stick, but I don't think I was going to beat them off. A what? A selfie stick. I did get a new oh selfie God. stick. So I'm very excited about that. It's not going to work as a baton in, in self-defense though. I don't think. Um, but the point you were making is, which I love is that the sense of self that Savannah has is growing the fear, the the irrational fear is diminishing. The shame is not existent. It's all about, again, living that best life and having that best self and best self-awareness and self-love that just carries you. And now when you have that, you realize, oh, I'm just Savannah in the world, living my life in a very positive and meaningful way. And that's enough. So it's not a sexualized oh my God, I'm Savannah today. Oh my God, this is so hot. No, it's like, I'm just <laughs> exuding my feminine spirit as intended in the best in way In an I appropriate know way. Appropriate, sure. <laughs> I'm sorry, but there are people out there that like would, ha would have done the internal work, but don't look like you externally. Like, can we just mm. acknowledge that? That like, you are not wearing anything that makes people feel embarrassed no, or ashamed. No, no. Like you were very much dressed appropriately for the occasion you you carry yourself with such grace and and the um the persona or female that you're putting out there it flows you know yeah. what i'm saying like it totally flows Thank with you. your environment which is extremely helpful if you weren't as you know savvy you know thoughtfully dressed if you didn't know your body if you didn't i mean I'm sure there were times in your life, which maybe you saved that for the club scene and the darkness yeah. <laughs> where you didn't have such an awareness. But now that you're out in the light of day, like I know not every person out there who will, would have your awareness around style and fashion and body. I know that they're not as, as passable as you, right? I'm not just here to announce that like, you just have to know, and then you go, you go get them tiger because you are very much, you look like a cis female. Thank you. To me, as well as I can't say to everyone, but I'm, I know I'm not the only one that would say that. Like, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. So, what I would say as we're wrapping up, I just want to answer that. I don't want to dissuade other male to female crossdressers from trying to live their best life. I would mm -hmm. agree with you in that in order to live your best life as your feminine spirit, you need to put the work in. You need to do the best you can. You need to, you know, ask for help. If you need help in why, why does this dress look terrible on me? What can I do differently? Um, can you please help me with makeup? Maybe you need to go to Ulta and have a consultation to get the right, right. foundation, you know, that you have the right palette for your complexion and, 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 you know, be thoughtful about how you put your outfits together. Don't think that you can walk into Walmart's as your first outing, like I'm being my best female self, but you're, you're in like platform thigh highs and fishnet stockings and a skirt right. that everybody can see everything. Realize that when you go out, you are a representation of who you want to be. And right. if you know what, if you want to go out in thigh highs in a short mini biker skirt, be aware of how it's perceived. Doesn't mean I'm saying don't do it. I'm saying be aware of how you want to be perceived. Because perception is key. And if you are living, again, your best self and you know how to carry yourself and you know what's what will work and what won't work, both for you and the environment, you're going to find yourself in a better position, I feel. I mean, Julie is not telling you, the audience, mm -hmm. you're passable just because she's trying to butter me up. I mean, obviously, that's your opinion, and I do appreciate you saying so. And I just want to be passable. And, but I also want to understand, it's like, I know I'm a male. I know I have a male physique. And I know there are some things that will never change or be passable in a very specific way, either if I don't think about how I'm walking or if I don't bring my shoulders in because or I don't wear the right clothing that my shoulders are broad or look broad. And there are things we can do to make ourselves look the part. And again, understanding both the male physique, the male face, the limitations that we have to overcome, those things that we put effort 
and thought into will carry the day. Yes. And if you truly believe that you're just a man in a dress and that people will always see you that way, okay, I believe that. That's your truth. And that may be true. It's true for you. And I honor that. If you're going to step out in the world, at least make it worth your while. At least make it worth their while. Be safe. Dress appropriately for the setting and just hold yourself up high. Yeah. And I always said that cross-dressers are kind of like the ultimate feminist. And I don't know why I say that, but I really feel that. I mean, there's appreciation for the female form and the female essence. And, you know, a smile doesn't hurt. No, no. And self-confidence doesn't hurt. And just, like I said, carrying yourself with grace and humility and kindness. And those things are not going to win the day with everybody you meet. But the more confident you are in yourself, that reads. That reads as beauty. That reads as character. That reads as kindness, as confidence. All those things within you are going to help. If you come in with fear and you come in with like anxiousness and stress, those are also going to read, unfortunately, to your detriment. So, and if someone, if someone, remember that ball game as a kid where you you some would pass you a ball and you'd quickly pass it back and they pass you a ball and you pass it back. It's kind of like if someone compliments you on your shoes or your dress or whatever it is that you're wearing that's feminine, immediately have something back that, that you like about what they have on. Don't let the ball drop. Just keep that good vibe going back yeah, and forth and back yeah. and forth because it's, it's, it's a conversation and it's, it can be, yeah. It can be. Yeah, absolutely. It's like in that engagement. I mean, for one thing, they didn't have to say anything to you. I mean, no. they came to you directly and said, oh my God, I, I had that happen to me once. Uh, a beautiful woman came to me and said, oh my God, I love your, your eye makeup. You, you're doing mm. such a good job. I know they knew I was a man. Right. I know, that was fine. But the fact that they came to me to make a special point, to call out something they felt I did very well. And right. I was so appreciative. I'm like, oh my God, thank you so much. I mean, you look amazing. I love your hair. And again, yeah. a smile ensued. Pass that, it back. Yeah, the interaction concluded. She walked away with a smile on her face. I felt amazing. And that person from that point forward will remember in some way, fashion or form that they met me and it was a positive experience. And they may tell right. somebody else that it was a positive experience. They may go home to their husband and say, oh, my God, I met this man dressed as a woman who was so engaged. How do you, and, but you yeah. don't know that. No, I don't. I don't. You don't know that. You, you're, you do your eye makeup sensational. Thank you. And it could just be a woman giving another woman props. That's true, too. That's true, too. That was my preconception that I thought that she knew. Well, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely right. And I need to carry that forward, too, that know that maybe I am passing. So I like your dress. Thank you. You look amazing as well. I love your your lavender uh, headset that also matches your lavender <laughs> top and your little your little knit beanie with your red hair, your beautiful red hair Thank that you. you had done. Yes, you look amazing. <laughs> I'll give you a B B for that. All right. Well, I, I I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm here to <laughs> elevate you. It was exquisite. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Again, kudos and thank you to Sky for yes. letting me talk about this experience. And hopefully we've just raised some awareness to how we should feel about ourselves as people and as sexual and sensual creatures as well. Mm -hmm. um, but as always, Julie, it is a wonderment to be in your presence and to spend time It is with a you. wonderment to be in your presence. Well, thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. And for all those people who have experienced, um, you know, I, we would love to hear from the, you know, the people who like to only dress for sexual pleasure and like why that drives you. And that would be fantastic to hear from you. It'd be great to hear from people who are still maybe under the misconception that is only a sexual thing for them. Mm. Um, you know, we, we want to hear your stories. So I, I would love to hear more from anybody. I would love like to, to hear more as well. And we are so thankful to our listeners for continuing to listen to the podcast and to follow our journey. And we want to wish you guys and gals and everything in between a wonderful, wonderful week. And we will 
we will connect on Wednesday. Yes. So take care. Bye for now. Till next time. You can find me on Facebook at Savannah Hawk or at Living With Crossdressing and on Instagram at Savannah Hawk. Remember, that's H-A-U-K. And to learn more, go to my website, livingwithcrossdressing.com. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fox and Hanger or at MTF Style, as well as on our website at foxandhanger.com. Julie, it's your moment. <gasps> the Fox and the Phoenix podcast uses Anchor. Copyright 2021. Yes, nailed it. We would love to hear from you because your story matters. Please comment and share on Facebook at Fox and Phoenix Podcast or on Instagram at the Fox and the Phoenix Podcast underscore.